0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. And this morning I'm going to be speaking the fourth sermon in a series of five. The message is entitled, When God Sends the Storm. I want you to be thinking about that. The entire series, Pressing Through the Storm. I want you to notice with me now, in Psalms chapter 107, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 23. The Bible says, they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these seek the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distress. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. I want you to look carefully again at Psalms 107, verse 25 you'll find these words, stormy wind. I would like for you to underline those words. In this passage of Scripture, the psalmist is describing some in-depth personal sorrow. A time when the storms of life have caused a sorrowful interruption in the normalities of day-to-day living. He's talking about when the forces of hardness have lifted up the waves of life and have begun to shake the foundation, the very core of the foundation, of the soul of man. In verse 26, I want you to notice the degree that the storm was taking on these in reference. The Bible says this in verse 26. It describes them. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Have you ever been out on a body of water on a boat? And perhaps you caught a day when the waves were just torrentious. And you were in that boat and the waves were taking you up and then they were crashing back down. Some of you probably have got seasick. Uh, in those types of circumstances. You You know the feeling. But this is somewhat of an illustration that the psalmist uses how that these waves are taking these individuals up and then crashing them back down into the depths. And then in verse 26, the Bible goes on to say that their soul is described to be that of melting because of trouble. Now I want you to picture yourself trying to function like this in life, where it seems to be that life is nothing but one big roller coaster. You have your ups and downs, ups and downs. Verse 27 expresses how bad these people were being shaken, how terrible it was. Their life was being turned upside down. They were shaken So much that the Bible described them like drunken individuals. And then in verse 28, in their peril, the Bible says they cried out to the Lord. I believe without question, this was a most upsetting moment in life. Let me redraw the picture here for you just quickly. The Bible's talking about the stormy wind. It's talking about taking these individuals up and down, taking them up to the heavens to a pinnacle and then crashing them down in the depths of sorrow. The Bible says that their circumstances were so overwhelming that their soul felt like it was being melted. And the scripture said the force of the storm made them stagger as if they were like drunken men. When we read these verses, verse 25, 26, 27, and 28, I think in all of this havoc, it's possible to miss the most important words in these passages of Scripture. A lot of time when storms enter into our life, the first thing that we want to do is blame something or blame somebody. I mean, when there are disruptions in your life, things have not gone your way. We live in a generation today where we want to blame somebody else for everything, where we're not really ready and willing to take the blame or responsibility ourselves automatically without question. I mean, the world is full of this mentality. When something does not go our way, we're wanting to point fingers and blame somebody else. We want to blame it on our circumstances. A lot of times in our life, when things do not go our way, we find ourselves in this predicament that the psalmist is trying to describe. We're quick to even blame the devil. You ever... Remember that old show that used to be on television when I was a child, Flip Wilson? He always said, The devil made me do it. You remember that? So many times, though, in real life, that's what we think, that's how we feel. We get into these situations where our life has us just staggering around. Our soul is being melted and we're blaming people. We're blaming circumstances. We're even blaming it on the devil. However, listen carefully. This morning, I would like for you to see a totally different perspective of the storms in your life. In verse 25, we read these words, the stormy wind." We talked about how the waves were just torrentious and the melting of the soul. How it left one staggering as though he were a drunken man. But in all of these verses, if we're not careful, it's possible to miss the most important words. And they are in verse 25. I want you to look at it very carefully. Verse 25 says, for He commandeth. And raiseth the stormy wind. Now, I think it's, it's fundamentally critical for you this morning to underline those words, for he commanded. Because this verse, this passage of Scripture, makes it very clear that sometimes behind the power of the winds that come against your life, Sometimes behind the power of the rain, sometimes behind the power of the the turbulence that is disrupting your life and turning your life upside down, sometimes behind all of that, there is God. For He commandeth, it's not always circumstances. Some of the problems we have in our life cannot always be blamed on other people. And sometimes we just have to remember we cannot blame everything on the devil. Now, listen, don't get this wrong. I'm not trying to give the devil any brownie points this morning. But sometimes when things happen in our life, that's one of the first directions we go in the devil, the devil, the devil. But I want you to understand. I want you to look at this in a totally different perspective today. Because the Bible says, as the psalmist is writing, in the wind, the stormy wind, the torrentious waves, the melting of the soul, the staggering of the man, the Bible is clear to say that it was God who was commanding this storm. Now, I'm confident, and you will agree, that without question, when it comes to disruptive moments in our life, when it comes to storms, you and I are more comfortable with God stilling the storm rather than Him sending the storm. Amen? Now, if we had our two ways about it, we would say we, none of us would volunteer for the storm we would all stand in line for God to steal the storm. This is the thing that I want you to think about this morning. We've got to get this great spiritual truth, and it's a principle that I've been trying to teach in the preaching series of these messages, and that is this, that everything, everything that God does or everything that God allows in my life, not only when it comes to the blessings, but everything that God does or allows in my life. Listen carefully. As a child of God, he always has my best interest in his mind. Always. If we can try to digest that, and understand it, I think it would help us greatly without question. It's a difficult truth to embrace. Let me say it again. Whatever happens in my life as a child of God, whether good or bad, listen, God always has my best interest in mind. That's difficult for us to surround ourselves with because when when critical things and bad things happen in our life, we... We do not want to give the Bible the benefit of working in our life. For example, we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. The problem with us is this. We do not want to give the Bible time enough to work things out for the good. We want things to be good. This thing about working out for the good takes time. It takes patience. We don't have time. We don't have patience. We live in a remote control world. We live in the microwave oven age. We live in the push button status of society. We want just to be able to push a button with God and have it all fixed out. We do not want to wait for things to work out for the good. That takes time. We want it fixed now. When you think about this, we have to understand that from time to time, storms are definitely included in the purpose and plan of God. Now don't isolate it. Please don't do that because without question, there are some things that we can do in our life that create storms. I'm not saying that that's impossible. That's very much a reality. In many cases, The problems that we have in our own life are indeed the result of reckless living. And the Bible says this, that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So there are storms that come into our life because of things we have done. And as a result of that, we will spend time like the prodigal, maybe in the hog pen, I don't know, until we come to ourselves and arise and go back to the Father with repentance. But when you think about this, this morning, I'm not talking about today storms that the devil will send you away or storms that you have created yourself. I'm not talking about. Storms and circumstances of life that are sent in other packages and other from other places. I'm talking today about storms that God allows and God sends our way. And here's what I want you to think about this subject from this point forward. When God sends a storm into your life, Always consider it to be divine intervention. You may have never looked at it that way before. And I will tell you this morning that if God is sending a storm in your life, if he is the one that's commanding the storm, He's the one that's allowing the sea to take you, the sea of life to take you up and down. If he is the one that's allowing the storm to melt your soul and to cause you to walk like a drunken man, listen, if God is behind it, consider this critical divine intervention. Now, I'm going to clarify that too in just a moment. I want you to think about this. I can assure you, that every storm that comes into your life, you have to get a clear perspective on it because here's the deal. There are times that God does send storms into our life to chastise us. I'm not saying God doesn't send storms into our life to not chastise us, but to only intervene. Listen, you, you you have to be able to discern these things. For example... God does send storms into your life to chastise you. In fact, the Bible says this, that if you can live life in open sin where it does not affect your spirit, it does not affect your conscience, you can live out in sin, live the way. I mean, you call yourself a Christian. You you say, yes, I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But you live like hell. You live like the devil. No one around you can see any change in your life. And yet you still call yourself a Christian. And you can continually live like that from daylight to dark 24-7. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is absent from that. You can live like you want to and there's no chastisement in your life. Friend, you're not saved. You might want to think you're saved. You might want to raise your hand and say, yes, I'm saved. And I'm not judging you. The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And one of the very signs that we have in our life, one of the most evident things of assurance of salvation is that as a child of God, when I get out of God's will, I get into trouble, I get into sin. And the same way with you, listen, if I'm saved, God's going to whip the living daylights out of me. You cannot live in sin and get away with it and be a child of God. It's impossible. So sometimes, yes, God, and you have to be the discerner of those thoughts. If you know you're living in open sin and you claim to be a Christian and God's sending a storm into your life, you better believe God's doing it to chastise you. But I want you to look at it from another perspective. When God sends a storm in our life, not always is his punishment the force behind that. We have to consider the fact that sometimes when God sends a storm in our life, we have to consider it to be a loving act of kindness on God's part. He's trying to help us, not punish us. Now we very rarely see it that way. We, we hardly ever consider that to be a possibility. I want you to hold your place here, and I want you to turn quickly with me to the book of Job. And I want you to see this in Job chapter 23 and verse number 10. Job chapter 23 and verse number 10. Hold your place in the Psalms because we're going to be referring to several other passages and not only the, the foundational verse for this morning, but in Job chapter 23 and verse number 10. Notice the scripture very carefully. The Bible says, but he knoweth the way that I take. Job is saying, God knows the direction for my life. Job is saying, God knows what I need best. He said in verse 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he had tried me, Job is saying this. God knows the direction I need to be in. When he sends the storm in my life, when he challenges me, when he tries me, notice this. I shall come forth as gold. Let me say it again. God never sends a storm in my life in your life where he does not have my best interest and your best interest in mine. Job found out that in his storm, God knew what was best. No matter how painful the circumstances were, Job knew that God was in control and was making him in the process to be a much better person in the end. This is another great passage in the Psalms that sheds A broader light on this I want you to look in Psalm 66 you're nearby Psalm 66 and I want you to go to verse number 11 I'm going to read for you verse number 11 and verse number 12 and there are two words that I want you to underline and circle because they're critical to understand this and the perspective in which we're speaking about today in Psalm 66 verse number 11 Thou broughtest us, I want you to underline this little word us and circle it in your Bible if you're used to doing that. Thou broughtest us into the net or into the storm or into a desert place, a difficult place. The psalmist said, thou broughtest us into the net. Thou laidest affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through the water, but... Now, here's the second word I want you to underline. That word, but. Underline it and circle it. But thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. The psalmist said, listen, you brought us into the net. You laid affliction upon us. You caused men to trample upon us. We went through the fire. We went through the flood. But it was all a process. All of that was necessary. That particular storm was necessary to bring us out of a desert place. And notice what the writer said in verse 12, into a wealthy place. The psalmist here is saying that it took a bad spot to get us in a much better spot. Can you relate to that? And friend, this is what God will do at times in our life. I can personally identify with that, and I'm sure that some of you can this morning as well. He will bring us into a bad spot so that he can take us to a better spot. The problem is that we never look at it that way, and we don't give God time. We don't give the Word of God time to work. You see, God... If it's not in the realm of chastisement, God can send storms in our life, which is called divine intervention. Now, here's what I want us to do now. I want us to pull up close to this and personalize it. I want to ask you the question, why is it that God would send a storm into my life, preacher? I mean, why, why isn't he just sending sunshine and roses? Why, why is he just not dealing with me on a peaceful plane? Why is it necessary for God to send a storm into my life to turn it upside down? And let's consider it this way. Why, preacher? I'm doing everything that I know what God's word says for me to do. Everything that God has asked of me in the word, I'm doing it. I'm working in the church. I'm trying to serve the Lord in every capacity. Everything that I know is right and that God would have me to do, I'm doing it. I'm trying to please him in every way that I possibly can. Why is God? Preacher, I'm doing the spiritual inventory. There is nothing in my life that I am ashamed of right now. I would be willing to stand into the presence of God today if he were to call my name. I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm prayed up. I've done everything that I can do. And Pastor, I just don't know why God would send a storm in my life under the circumstances of me doing everything that he has called me to do. Why would God do that? I think the answer is simple. God wants sometimes for us to be, even in our mind now, when we think we are as close to God as we have ever been in our life, somehow these words of the old song ought to bring conviction to our hearts. It's called, Draw Me Nearer, Precious Lord. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible where God says this. If you draw not to me, I'll draw not to you. I've given you this illustration before, but I want you to look at these two pews just for a moment. And I want you to understand maybe this side would represent me. This side would represent God. Sometimes we turn it around. We say, God, if you do this, if you do that, if you do this and answer these prayers, then I'll tell you what to do. If you do that, God, and you do these things for me, then I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do this for you. And what's wrong with that? You see, the Bible does not say from God's perspective, hey, I'm going to get real close to you, and as I do that, as a good gesture, would you get close to me? This is what God's Word said. Hey, you... Draw nigh to me. And when you draw nigh to me, God says, I'll draw nigh to you. That means this, that if I in my life am willing to get this close to God, God is willing to get this close to me. And you might say, well, preacher, that's too much of a gap. I I don't want that. So I'll say, well, do you really want to get close? Yes. How close? I want to get this close. And God says, if you get that close to me, I'll get that close to you. But you say, preacher, there's still a gap there. Listen, the closer you get to God, the closer he will get to you. Sometimes God sends storms in our life, not to chastise us, but to make us get closer to him. You might say, well, preacher, I'm doing everything I need to do. I'm doing everything I know. Well, listen, do you think that that will ever be the limit? I can assure you, friend, there is not a place on this earth where we will have arrived. Every day that we live and breathe, the Apostle Paul said this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There will never come a time, there will never be a place in our life where we can say, hey, I'm here. Because the truth of the matter is, from daylight to dark until we die, we are running a race. We are walking by faith, living by faith the finish line is not in this life. It's on the other side. So the answer is this. There's a few things to remember. And I'm going to try to go through this very quickly so that I can finish this today. And I believe it'll help you press through the storm in your life. Listen, when you get to the place and you've done everything, you know what to do. You you have determined you're not living under the chastisement of god god has sent a storm you don't understand let me encourage you to do something there's divine intervention here let me encourage you first of all to pray pray like you've never prayed i shared this with the church wednesday night i asked the church to do something very special because at the earlier part of the week i had talked on the telephone with brother jerry and sue baldwin's son luke and luke was telling me this said pastor uh, dad is being moved from the mcv hospital He's being moved back over to the Kindred Hospital. It's the last place on the earth that he wants to go. Jerry told me this himself. It's not a third party conversation. Jerry Baldwin told me this myself. He said, Pastor, I would rather die in the back of an ambulance than I go to Kindred Hospital. That's what he said to me. When Luke said he's going back to Kindred, I said, you know, he's going to get depressed. He said he's depressed about it now. He's really, really bad. He said, and the thing about it is, he said, we may have to send him home because of Medicare expiring and different red tape stuff that they're only going to keep him for two weeks. He said, Preacher, if he goes home, he's going to be needing six oxygen tanks a day. He's going home with a feeding tube in his stomach. He's going home with the trach. And he said, Pastor, I, I, I believe he will be like this the rest of his life. I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, I'm going to tell the people at the church. And I did. If you were here in the Wednesday night service, you heard me talk about this. I said, I'm going to tell our people Wednesday night the severity of this problem. I said, sometimes I think our prayer life just gets so shallow. Sometimes we say, pray for the missionaries. we got a missionary right here, Brother Kevin, Sister Christina Brown, to get ready to go to Croatia. I would hate to think that when we include them in our prayers for missionaries, we're saying, God bless the missionaries. Well, that's wonderful. But friends, we, we have some by name right here, Kevin and Christina Brown. We need to pray for these people by name. I said, I'm going to tell our people Wednesday night, Luke, exactly what you told me. I said, and then I'm going to challenge them to pray. Pray like they've never prayed for your daddy. And I told the people Wednesday night, I said, listen, I don't want you in some little shallow prayer here i want you to pray like you have never prayed before for jerry baldwin pray fervently intently pray i went over to johnston willis hospital to get my father from his entire ordeal i took him home and got straight with him and got him situated i immediately left there and went over to the kindred hospital and i walked into the kindred hospital Jerry Baldwin was sitting straight up in a chair with a smile on his face. And I'm telling you, he was sitting with a smile on his face on the last place on the earth where he wanted to be. I sat down in a chair. Sister Sue was reading something out of the book there, and I I walked in. I'm telling you, it stunned me. It stunned me. I sat down in the chair. I said, what's going on? He smiled. Miss Sue said, look, he's not on the ventilator. Because Luke also told me, he said, he's going home on a ventilator. My mother's got to have a class next week, teach, you, teach her how to change his ventilator, work with his ventilator, how to change a feeding tube in his stomach, how to deal with the trach. She said, preacher, look there, he's not on a ventilator. And I looked at him. I said, but just, just, just yesterday you were struggling for breath. You need six oxygen tanks a day. I said, how long have you been sitting there not on that ventilator? He said, at this point, it's been four and a half hours. I said, are you kidding me? I looked over there at his oxygen level. It was at 95. Sue said, can you believe this? She said, not only that, just a few minutes ago, for the first time in three months, nurses came in here with his progress and gave him food to take in his mouth for the very first time in three months. Not only that, they gave him a drink of water. Woo! You say, what are you getting so excited about? I'm telling you, they couldn't even put a straw in his mouth for three months. He couldn't have an ice cube. Only if he stole it. (laughs) What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. Sometimes all we can do is pray. He said this. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. So in your storm, when you feel like, hey, I'm doing everything right, I don't know what is the problem. God, I'm serving you with my heart. I'm in church. I'm giving you my tithe. I'm telling people about Jesus. I'm offering my service on the instruments. I'm I'm keeping the nurseries, driving the vans, cutting the rest. God, I'm doing everything. I don't understand this. Listen, God's trying to intervene in your life. You don't know it. But God's purpose and plan is this, not to punish you. It's to draw you closer. The power of prayer. I, listen, I believe prayer is the greatest resource we have on this planet. Pray. God may be saying this. Hey, you might be walking through life wondering what in the world's going on, and God might be saying this. You haven't had much time for me lately. You become too confident in yourself and too confident in your circumstances. He may be saying, that I've got something very important I, I want to talk to you about. And you're so busy going here and there. You're not living in sin. You're not committing these uh, abominations. You're just busy in life. You've got things to do. You have an agenda. And God's saying, listen, would you please slow down? And listen, I've got to talk to you about something. And you get busy in life. And then out of nowhere, God sends a storm. Listen, God wants to talk to you. And when he does and you're not ready to stop, he knows how to send the storm. The other great truth is this. God never takes pleasure in causing pain in our life. But he knows sometimes a little pain is necessary to deliver us from a great pain. Have you, I, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a splinter? And you get a splinter in your hand or you get a splinter in your thumb and you don't know it exactly, maybe when you do it, you go on an hour or two and you say, what is that? And you look down there, there's a splinter that thing starts to hurt. And you pick at it for a little bit and, and you can't get it, but it's hurting. The only way to get it out, really, is put that match on that straight pin and start working it out. And then when you do that, you're going to draw a little blood. Let me ask you this, sometimes getting the thorn out hurts worse than it goes in. When God sends a storm into your life, maybe he's trying to get the thorns out. It might hurt a little worse. But listen, God knows how to get our attention. Amen. He knows how to do that. He knows how to bring us to our knees quickly. And I've got to press on fast. I want you to know that with. The storm, there's also peace. If you look in verse. Number 25, again, of Psalms 107, for he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves thereof. And I'm not going to be able to finish this today. This is the second sermon in the series I've not been able to finish. But I want you to notice this in verse 25 again, for he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifted up the waves thereof. Verse 29, he look now here's here's what I want you to look. Look at very carefully. Verse 25, he commandeth the wind. But in verse 29, he commandeth, or he maketh the storm calm. You see, he can he can jack it up or he can jack it down. He raises the stormy wind. Verse 29, he maketh the storm of cob, Verse 30. Then are they glad because they are quiet? Have you ever, let me ask you this, have you ever been in a place where you can just bask in the purity of silence? Total silence. Some of us don't know what that is. Total silence. But have you ever have you ever been able, I mean total silence. Have you ever been able to sit down in your favorite chair? Had enough self-discipline where you did not turn on the television. You were there all by yourself. You did not turn on Facebook. Did not grab your computer. You pull the shades. You you won't you weren't having to listen to somebody run their mouth ninety miles an hour <laughs> for hours. <laughs> and you you got I mean, let me ask you this. Have you have you ever got to the place where you walked into silence? And just had total peace and quiet. You sat there within your reach. You got a laptop. You got a remote control. You got people. But you sat there in total silence. Let me tell you this you ever find your place in this kind of a situation? He will speak to you. He maketh the storm, and then the Bible says, He causes it to be calm. That, that should be the feeling we have when God chooses to steal the storms in my life. He can send it, He can take it away. Now, I'm going to press through this real quickly here because I want you to see this. The third thing is that God has a purpose. We pray in the storm. There's peace in the storm. He has a purpose for every storm. Verse 30, Psalms 107, verse 30. Then are they glad because they be quiet, so he bringeth them into their own desired haven. God knows what he's doing is not meaningless. Is to make us better people. The other thing is this real quickly. There's praise in the storm. When the storm stops, look at Psalms 107 verse 31 and 32. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembling of elders. Every time God steals the storm, I believe we ought to offer praise to Him we ought to thank Him for it because that's a merciful merciful place of God. Let me say this in closing. When you are on live sea, you remember when Jesus was in the boat of the disciples when the storm came up? You remember that? Let me always remind you of this. This is good. Don't ever forget it. When you're on the sea of life, and you're in a storm, it's always best to have Jesus in the boat than to be on the shore without Him. When you're in the storm, it's always better to have Him in the boat with you than being on the shore without Him. Sometimes in our life, listen, there are unexplainable things. We don't know why. God permits some of the things that happens to us. There's an old song that says we'll understand it better in the by and by. I've said this a thousand times and I want to close with this. When you get into the storm of your life, always remember, God loves you too much to do you wrong. And he is too wise. To make a mistake. Amen. He loves you too much to do you wrong, and He's too wise to make a mistake. You listen to Pastor Tony Kahoot. For more information, visit our website at Buford Road Baptist